0: Welcome to part two of our series, Best Christmas Ever. Today, we're going to be talking about, I think, just something that's going to be so much fun that I'm going to need your help with. We are going to be talking about uh, the best Christmas cooking. As a quick recap, last week we gave away the entire point of the series and said that if you want to have the best Christmas ever, we need to learn how to prioritize the right things. And last week we talked about it's important to have lights at Christmas, right? Everyone has lights at Christmas. I've been seeing just this past week a number of different emails and communications and Facebook posts that have said, if you want to know where the best lights are, Here's the places to go. Uh, As a matter of fact, the uh, Department of Recreation in Chilai just actually posted a a place where if you want to sort of submit your home and say, you should come and see my place, then you can do that. They're compiling a list. It's just amazing. The the, the problem is, is that sometimes the lights get all tangled, and we need to figure out a way to unwind them, and that reminds us of what life is like. And it's interesting that Jesus would say about Himself that I am the light of the world. And the reason He said that He was the light of the world was because His light gives life. So why should we trust that Jesus is going to guide us? Why should we trust in the light of Jesus? Because the light that He gives gives the kind of hope in which There is no condemnation for sin. He gives us a way forward in life, a way to untangle our lives, if you will, without condoning our sin. He draws us close. He doesn't push us away. That's what we learned last week, that Jesus is our light because His light gives us hope in life. And today, though, we're talking about food, we're talking about cooking, and you are in luck because I am an expert chef. Just like I am an expert at lights, I am also an expert at uh, cooking, so you are in luck, but I'm still going to need your help uh, because uh, the first thing that we need, if we're going to have the best Christmas cooking, is that, well, we need to have someone who will do the cooking, so that'll be me. have here a uh, an an apron Uh, the product placement notwithstanding this is my wife's uh, old work apron from when she worked at a particular coffee establishment that I really enjoyed way back when and so uh, I'm clearly an expert chef because I can tie this in one shot there we go I can do it everybody's going to be so amazed there we go (laughs) Let's just do that. All right. So we've got that, but we need something else, don't we? If we're going to do some cooking for Christmas, what is it that we need? We need a menu, right? Because you can't have all the food. You have to decide what kind of food, and this is where your help is needed. What I need for you to do is be thinking about what do you have to have at Christmas for food in order for it to be Christmas. I want you to tell me that it's not Christmas if we don't eat blank, okay? That's what we're going to do. And first off, we're going to start, we're going to do it in categories. Uh, We're going to start with appetizers, then we're going to move to the main dish or the protein of what we're going to have, and then we're going to move to sides, and then we're going to move to desserts at the end. So everybody can participate. I've got my laptop here, so I'll be checking online to see what you say is necessary. But, um, you know, in order to help prepare the menu, it helps to get a little bit of a some Christmas music playing in the background, so maybe we can have some quiet Christmas music while we plan and dream what the menu's going to be. Band, can we hit it? Ah, perfect. Okay, so, here's what I need you to do. Let's start off with appetizers. Okay, what's... The appetizer that you have to have at Christmas or it's not Christmas. Shout out your answer if you're in the room. Pie is an appetizer. I'll allow it. Let's add pie to the list. All right. What else we got? A cheese board. Okay. Let's add a cheese board. I think I also heard shrimp ring. So let's add cheese board and shrimp ring. We're going to make our AV team work fast and furious today. Uh, Facebook says a rye boat. Rye dip. Okay, I thought it might be a different kind of rye. I thought Facebook, we might have to do a little bit of policing, help them out a little bit, but they're talking about bread. Crackers and cheese. Do we have anything on our live stream? Little Smokies and barbecue sauce. I don't even know what those are and they sound delicious. Oh, the, hot, the cocktail wieners, Little Smokies and barbecue sauce. Are we getting all this? This is this is good. You guys are already thinking about food. Weird. Almost like you're good Christian people. <laughs> Anyways. All right. So what else we got? We got Little Smokies and barbecue sauce. Anything else that you need to have as appetizers or it's just not Christmas? So, sorry, what? Salami and olives, is that correct? Did I get that right? Perfect, salami and olives. Gotta have those at Christmas or it's not Christmas. Those are just the appetizers. Anything else? Pizza, okay, let's have pizza, why not? Anything else? Eggnog and a vegetable tray, sounds good. Probably not together. You know uh, probably not dipping the vegetables in the eggnog but hey to each their own yes pickled herring we'll pray for that one but no 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 let's add it to the list pickled herring let's put it up anything else artichoke dip right this is i knew this would be a problem someone said i'm already hungry salmon, got to have salmon, calamari, okay, I'm definitely concerned about the people on the live stream now, we'll be praying for you considerably, no, I know calamari is a big treat for some, so uh, that is an awesome appetizer, are we ready to move on, got enough appetizers now, let's go to the main course, what main dish are we having at Christmas, what is it, what do we have to have, or it's just not Christmas, and just think protein more than your sides at this point. So what is the main dish that we're going to have? Roast beef, ham, sorry, I heard turkey and then I got lost. Ham, roast beef, turkey, sounds like a good club sandwich at this point, sounding good. What else do we need? Lasagna, that's a good uh, protein. I like that prime rib. We got turkey as well. Lasagna, excellent, what else? Is that a protein? I guess so. Beans are a protein, but they're not kind of a main dish, more of a side. I get the confusion. Grandma's, what? Grandma Brown's great baked beans. If you want, so we can keep all of it on a list rather than hitting enter, let's just put commas after every one and just keep typing until we run out of the whole line. Let's do that. What else do we have? What else do we need? Poutine. I'm for that. French fries covered in gravy. Let's do it. What else? Nice and loud. Baked beans. Think we got baked beans. What else? Steak. Good call. Roast beef. Got, got roast beef, yep. What else? Any other main course that if you don't have this at Christmas, it's just not Christmas? Duck, okay. Roasted chicken, chicken. In the room it was uh, garlic and you got all that? That's spaghetti. It's, it's a spaghetti with garlic, oil, anchovies, capers and black olives. We got all that? Pasta) <laughs> that's it anything else from from facebook or our live stream all right so why don't we move on to our sides what are the sides that we have to have at our christmas meal or it's just not christmas what are we cooking as our sides this christmas grandma's mashed potatoes salad fresh green beans broccoli and cheese brussels sprouts no don't put those on the list no, that's fine, we can add Brussels sprouts to the list. You can, you can have my portion, that's, that's, I'm just a sharing, sharing person. Fish as a side dish, it's an Italian tradition, let's put that in brackets, fish, bracket, an Italian tradition, end bracket. Let's do that, what else are we having? Baked potatoes, garlic bread. Mom's stuffing, yes, uh, corn, mashed potatoes with gravy, we'll just add gravy as a whole side, that's fair. Dinner rolls, yes, gravy's a beverage, <laughs> it, it can be. <laughs> Fruit salad, sweet potato. With mar- Sweet potato with marshmallows. Or fruit salad with marshmallows. Creamed onions. All right, now we're getting a little bit more exotic here. We're getting into some family favorites. Cranberry relish and a- with applause. That's awesome. Ron. Pumpkin pie as a side. Why not? We had it as an appetizer, so why can't we have it as a side? Someone is asking if we can all have Christmas dinner together now. You know when the introduction to the sermon is working well, when people are actually salivating like Pavlov's dog just from talking about the food that they have to bring uh, to Christmas and the things that they're going to be cooking. Anything else for our side? Two more. Ambrosia. Samosa. Ambrosia and samosa. You may need to spell check that one. We don't know what samosa is. Does anyone know what samosa is? It's a, an Indian delicacy. Fantastic. All right, so let's move on then to probably my favorite part of the meal. Desserts. Pie. Pie, 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 Yes, a lot of people saying pie. So let's put pie as a dessert. That's excellent. What else? Cheesecake and baked Alaska. All right, that's very extravagant. Nanaimo bars, a a great Canadian delicacy. Rice Krispie treats with M&Ms. Ice cream, okay. mom miller's frosted sugar cookies everybody say ooh everybody say ah give a thumbs up and chat if you're watching for mom miller's frosted sugar cookies recipe will be posted on our blog which we don't have coconut cream pie oh that sounds good that's a good one coconut cream pie what else Rice pudding and chocolate pudding. Excellent. What else? A Yule log. Excellent. Good choice. Tiramisu. Fondue. It rhymes with Tiramisu. Christmas cookies. Okay. Trifle. Well, give yourselves a huge big hand because I think we got a pretty big uh, menu. Why don't we go through it one more time? Just show it on the screen for us. Josh, make it full screen uh, for those who are uh, participating online. I'm going to take off my my chef's uh, uh, apron here. Look at all those things. Mmm. Tasty, tasty. They look delicious, don't they? They, they make you hungry, they make you ready, all this good Christmas cooking. And I don't think we've missed anything, right? I think we've covered everything that we really like. If we've missed anything, don't be afraid to type it out in chat. Uh, if you're joining us on Facebook or on our uh, webpage live stream, uh, we'd love to make sure that we have everything. But do we have Everything. Are we going to make all this? Are you going to make all this for this Christmas? No. No one's going to make all this food. It's, if, even if we had a party all together, we're not going to make all of this food, all of these things, because it's just, it's too much. We'd have too much left over, and we'd have uh, not enough people to eat all of the things. Uh, it, would, it would cost too much. So we've got to pick and choose what we'll include in our Christmas cooking. And who decides what gets included in our Christmas cooking? Who decides in your home? The kids kids decide. Okay. Mom decides. The chef decides. Tradition decides. I can't think that we've missed anything off of our big list of things that we had up there earlier. But... um, you know, there may be something for, for Christians, for Christ followers, uh, that we've missed. Maybe uh, we should check with the head chef and see what he's got cooking. And he says is the best Christmas cooking. Sound good? If you've got a Bible, I want you to turn with me in them to a famous story that I'm sure you all know and you all love found in John chapter 4. If you're joining us online, uh, we'll have the verses right up on the screen for you. Big full uh, for you to read out uh, with us. Uh, we'll also have them on the screen here on the wall. But if you've got a Bible, I would encourage you to uh, turn with me in them uh, to John chapter 4. Because we, there we read a story about, um, I think, what uh, the head chef would love to cook at Christmas. We read that... Um, Now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. That's a problem. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So, Jesus left Judea. He left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now, he had to go through Samaria. So, he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son, Joseph. With Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, And his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. That's a story that we love. It clearly shows the heart of Jesus like we talked about last week. If you missed last week's introduction to our series, I'd encourage you to visit our website or to listen to the message on our podcast. You can find the video and the audio there. Jesus offers living water which is another great metaphor of how Jesus is light, that Jesus sacrifices your deepest needs. That Jesus can meet those who have broken their lives and who have broken their lives seemingly beyond repair. And he comes not with an I told you so attitude, but he comes with No condemnation. Simply offering forgiveness. He offers forgiveness from sin and he offers fellowship with God through his word and through his spirit and fellowship with other believers, the church. And the interesting thing is, here is another great example of how this outreach that Jesus was doing was not limited to those who had earned it or deserve it in any way. Here is someone who was marginalized to the point where she had to collect water when other people weren't there. The normal time for collecting water was early morning or early evening, and she went at noon to avoid the crowds, probably to avoid social interaction, but there's Jesus, and wouldn't you know it, he struck up a conversation. And so she talked, and she discovered that he was the Messiah. Even when he pointed out that I know who you are, I know what you've done, and I'm still not ashamed to talk to you. I'm not going to move away from you because of your reputation and who you are. I will not cut you off. We love this story. We love this story of the heart of Jesus. But not everyone does. As a matter of fact, people in the story didn't like this story. (laughs) Because we continue to read that it was his own followers that had a problem with what Jesus was doing. Just then, his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or, why are you talking with her? Which makes sense. They're not going to embarrass their their, uh, teacher. They're not going to embarrass their master. They're not going to embarrass their rabbi. They're not going to call him out like that. But It is clear that they disapprove of what Jesus is doing. Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. And then his disciples said to each other, could, could someone have brought him food? Could maybe that woman have, have brought him food? What else has he eaten? You see, the disciples did not want to be there. They did not want to be in this Samaritan town. As important as it was to their own history that this was a town that Jacob built and had a well dug and all of Jacob's descendants drank from it and became prosperous as they watered their animals and so on from this well. They wanted nothing to do with this town. And what they're asking here when they say, don't you already have, if you already have food, what they are saying is, why are we still here? because this is just a stopover. This is like, we're on the thruway and we're headed down to grandma's house for Christmas. We've got a number of hours still to drive. We're just stopping at a way station. Please don't stop and make it longer than it needs to be. Have you ever had someone in your family all of a sudden strike up a conversation and you just think, oh man, here we go. How long is this gonna take? Sometimes that happens at church, right? Guys, can we be honest? Sometimes our wives will say, oh, I just need to go talk to so-and-so, and and we'll be like, I'll be in the car. (laughs) I get it. There's some of us that we're just not social people to begin with. We don't want to have those kinds of conversations after church, but man, imagine if you were driving with your family, and just pick a person, uh, in your family, they were all of a sudden starting to talk to uh, the person who was uh, selling the snacks at the rest at the rest stop, and they were having so, what are you doing for Christmas? And you know, what's what's kind of going on in your life? You're like, okay, we got like three hours left to drive. Let's not waste time. Let's get going. Nobody wants to strike up a conversation. This is what the disciples are feeling at this moment. Jesus, this is not an intended stop. This is just a quick visit, grab some food, grab some water, and let's keep going. And besides, this is a dangerous part of the area to be in because, you know, those Samaritans. What the disciples were thinking was, Jesus, don't you know where we are? Don't you know who they are? Let's get going. And to translate that, what they're saying is, in their hearts, in their minds, these people have nothing to offer. They are not worth our time. So Jesus, if you have food, let's hit the road. Let's get moving. But there's something stuck in the back of their mind that they just can't wrap their head around, and that is, what food? Like, they're looking. There's no McDonald's wrappers by the well. There's no, the garbage isn't full. He doesn't have, like, a protein bar that he's unwrapped. He's got nothing in his hands. What did he eat? And then Jesus surprises them all and says this. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Let me read that again. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Now, we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Jesus' answer about what his food was surprised all of them. And he says his food was doing his Father's will, finishing his Father's work, what other people had started as they served God. Jesus didn't linger in this town for two days because of the awesome restaurant reviews on Yelp. He didn't stick around because it had a great view and that awesome tourist attraction of Jacob's well. I mean, how many times do you need to see a well? There it is. And yet he stayed for two days when he meant to just be passing through. Why? Not because of the physical food but because of the spiritual opportunity that presented itself. He understood that God was working before he arrived, that he understood that other people had been working in that town before he arrived, maybe months before, maybe years before, maybe generations before. And how did he know this? Is it because he was God? Uh, I don't think so. I think the reason he knew this was because he asked questions of the woman who showed up at noon wanting to refill a jar of water. And he just asked simple questions. And as he continued to ask questions, she showed spiritual interest, spiritual thirst. And when Jesus started to get a response, he said, yep, my plans can change. Let's stay for a few days and answer your questions and see where this ends up. He stayed because he saw that the harvest was ready. And it's interesting to me that we can never know fully someone else's heart, but we can know the direction of their lives. Because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Here's the thing that I think gives this passage incredible meaning for us as we long to have the best Christmas cooking ever. Right? We set off the beginning. We said last week that having the best Christmas is all about prioritizing the right things. And this, what, this is what this story tells us. Who's at the table is more important than what's on the table Who's at the table will decide what food you cook? Someone said earlier, it's the kids who decide what food I cook. You cook for them. You cook for the ones who are coming. And the reason you do that is because you want it to be an enjoyable Christmas for them. You want it to be something that they look forward to. So you use food to entice, to draw family together You don't make a family that you, you don't make a menu that your family won't like. This is true for our family. All of our, the grandparents that we have for our son, they all ask him, what do you like to eat? And they'll make it. When he shows up, they'll make it and he'll show up. I know that sometimes that's hard, right? Some. Family gatherings are difficult. And they're hard at Christmas. But, what if you could kind of do what Jesus do and instead of making cooking about food, consider what God might want to cook. And here's what I mean by that. If Jesus leveraged this strategy of just, let me do some simple spiritual inquiry to see where people's hearts are at, what direction they're moving, then maybe we can leverage this for something that God wants to accomplish at Christmas. What do you think God wants to accomplish in your Christmas this year? Do you think it's just to bless you? Or do you think it's that God might want to bless others through you? Maybe draw them to Himself through you and what if God's been working on this plan all year what if he's been working on it for years that this Christmas is the right moment when you get to do the same type of thing that Jesus did and you see an incredible harvest be brought into the kingdom of God what is it exactly that Jesus did well I think there are three things that he did, and I think there's three things that you and I can leverage at our Christmas as we do the cooking to see spiritual food be put out, whether people are going to enjoy it or not. I think the first thing that Jesus did was that he asked uh, questions. Or make sure that people, uh, make sure that your family knows that they're welcome. I think that's what Jesus did. The first thing that he did was welcome this woman. And I think he welcomed her in an actually really interesting way. He just invited her to participate. He didn't check her credentials. He didn't check to see, okay, uh, are you the right kind of person? Do you have the right kind of degree? Do you have, can you get involved? She just, nope. hey, can you, off, can you help me with some water? I'm looking to get a drink. Can you help me? He asked her for assistance, And I think that's something that you and I can do in our families as well is that we can make sure that our families feel welcome at the table no matter what they've done in the past, no matter how they are living in the present. Make them feel welcome. Talk to them. Make their favorite dish. Make sure that they know that they're welcome and appreciated. How do you do that? Well, I think you can ask questions to see what God is cooking. I think as you're saying, you know, I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you're able to make it. Maybe things haven't been the way that you'd hoped they'd be, but you're just glad that you can be together and see them again. And then you can start to ask questions to see if God's cooking up something in their hearts. Try to take the time, and this is a really important thing. If we want to show the second point there, we've got... uh, Uh, The first one was to uh, be welcoming. The second one is to ask questions. And we can just leave those up in case you want to write those down. When you ask questions, my recommendation is do what Jesus did. Don't get everyone around the table and then ask your son-in-law to say, "Uh, tell us how you're doing spiritually, son. Uh, Probably not a good idea. Do it in a one-on-one conversation. Do it something where it's just the two of you talking. Try to take the time with each individual so you're making conversation, not speeches. Because where family gatherings like this, where the cooking goes and burns, when the, when the gatherings go off, is when people start to make speeches and get on soapboxes, rather than have conversations one-on-one. And listen for brokenness listen for this person just starts to share maybe it's kind of a too much information kind of a feeling that you're hearing but that's likely and possibly something that God is doing in their heart something that God is cooking in their lives see how much see how open they are with you as you take time one-on-one with each individual and then finally Make connections. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, as you're welcoming, no agenda, I'm just glad you're here. I'm concerned about you. How are you doing? Doing it in a way that doesn't embarrass, but hopefully draws out what God might be cooking in their lives. Then you take the opportunity to help make connections between what they're experiencing and what God may want to do. Connect them to their heavenly Father. Offer to pray for them. Invite them to consider a scriptural truth that has helped you. All with this idea in mind. Can I help them take a step of faith towards Jesus? Does it have to be they have to cross the line of faith? No. Because this woman who came to Jesus at the well, he just kept asking probing questions and he kept answering them and saying, but this is more important. Here's what I can provide. Here's what I can do. And finally she said, I wonder, you know, the Messiah is supposed to be able to explain some of these things. And Jesus says, I'm the Messiah. And she runs off without making any form of commitment or response. And Jesus doesn't say, wait. He lets her go. And she goes and tells everyone in town, and everyone in town comes back, and Jesus decides, I'm going to spend two more days with them. All because he was connecting truth to her life, encouraged her to take a step of faith. If I'm the Messiah, then what should she do? Right? That's what he's asking her to do. And she goes and gets a whole bunch of people to say, I think I found him. You got to come hear this. He knows my life and he's not pushing me away, just like everything we talked about yesterday. I think that's how you can make your family's uh, Christmas celebration and the cooking that you'll do less about the food and more about your family. And I also think that's true. What is true for your immediate family is true for God's family as well. I want to encourage you this Christmas to think bigger than just Cooking for your family. I want you to think about what is God cooking through us as a church, as a congregation, as a group of people who have committed to connect people to Jesus and help them grow in a caring community. What might God would, what what might God be up to? Who can you invite to his table? Because I think that each one of us has a harvest all around us and we just don't know it. So I want to encourage you to take steps to see if there is. And it's the same three things that we said you can do with your family. You can do for God's family, this congregation right here, You can be welcoming to those around you, especially when they interrupt you, no matter who they are. You can invite them into your life. This afternoon, if someone comes to mind that you weren't thinking about before, they just all of a sudden pop into your head. Can I encourage you to reach out? Give them a text. Give a phone call. Say, hey, I was just thinking about you. How are you doing? And see what happens. Just reach out. If you're going to a store, if you're doing some Christmas shopping, if you've got some errands to run, don't do them alone. Invite someone to come with you. Invite people into your lives. Maybe as someone comes to your life, you want to invite them out to coffee so that you have a little bit more of a personal conversation. But be welcoming to those around you. Just invite them into your lives. Hey, I'm going here, I'm going to get some water. Maybe not from a well, but I'm going to go get some water. Do you want to help me do that? And then start asking questions. How are you doing? And listen for what they start to tell you. If it seems like it's distant and it's disconnected, maybe the time isn't right. But when the time is right, it has been my personal experience that people overshare. And that may make you feel uncomfortable, but there's a reason why they are oversharing. And what if that reason is because they're looking for answers? And what if that answer is something that you can connect them to? Yeah, they may have objections. Well, you Christians say that, we know, yeah, but we get this and we understand this and so on, but... You know, we want to help you understand that there's more. So ask questions. And then finally, help connect them to God's life, the things that He's doing. What if, as they overshare and you're they're, they're thinking, wow, this is incredibly uncomfortable, that you decide to take a leap of faith and encourage them to take a step of faith? And you say, you know what? That's really hard to hear, but I'm really glad you shared it because I think that you're searching. And I think you may be able to find some answers if you were to maybe connect with God. And I know that sounds crazy, but why don't you do this for me? Are you free next Sunday? You doing anything Sunday morning? Too cold to golf. Football's not on yet. Are you free? My, my church is having a, a Christmas Sunday service. Do you want to come? It's at 10.30. Um, love to tell you about it. Does that interest you? Or maybe if they're not free on Sunday, you can say, I don't, I don't know, maybe you'd like to come and just be reminded of what Christmas is all about. My church is having a Christmas Eve service at 7 p.m. on Christmas Eve. Would you like to come? And I know maybe, if you, maybe some of you say, but I already have plans for Christmas Eve. What if God's cooking something that He wants you to serve up to that person, just helping them make that connection, they take that step of faith, and then there's this response where someone gives their life, their life to Christ because they came on Sunday next week or they came on Christmas Eve. I know it'll take time and energy away from what you're cooking. But I guarantee you that everything that you're cooking pales in comparison to what God is cooking up. He has a better menu than ours. And you and I know this. We know this from our family experiences that it's the things, that, it's more about who's around the table than what's on the table. So, if we're going to have the best Christmas cooking, let's make sure we're cooking up the right menu. Let's cook up what God wants us to serve. The best Christmas cooking isn't a noun. It's a verb. So, what have you got cooking this Christmas? Is it to do the will of your heavenly father and to complete the work that he's already started and you just get to reap the harvest and bring it in? Use your family events. Use your church events to serve what God is cooking. Because who knows? Who knows? you may get to see a harvest of people come to know and experience Jesus for themselves like this whole town did. Because we know. It's those around the table that are more important than what's on the table. So let's start cooking. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Jesus, we are hungry. <laughs> um, we've had a great time talking about the foods that we love for Christmas. But the things that you love for Christmas aren't even food. They're people. And so Lord, would you help us to use the things that welcome those? Would you help us to take the risk to ask questions? Would you help us to take the initiative to help people make connections so they take steps of faith lord would you help us to be aware of the menu that you want to serve up and would you help us to be the ones to serve it we don't want to force jesus down anyone's throat That's not what we want to do, but we believe that you are working in people's lives and sometimes the only thing that is missing is our willingness to welcome them into ours, to ask questions and to make connections and to see if you are doing something and whether we can be part of that great harvest. Lord, we long for that for our family experiences. There are so many of us whose We have family members who have chosen to walk away from you or who don't know you uh, in the first place. And we'd love to see a harvest come in our families. And we pray for that. We ask, Lord, that you would make us attentive to the menu that you've been cooking in their lives. But also, Father, we long for that for the ones that you want to join this family right here. Our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, the strangers that we meet as we go through our day, they are not interruptions. They may be opportunities. And so, Lord, would you help us to serve the menu that you're cooking in their lives as well. Lord, would you help us to have the best Christmas because we have the best Christmas cooking. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.